If you'll open your Bible to page 779, I hope is where we are. We'll be in the book of Daniel. That's some book, and we'll read a few verses here. But I want to talk to you today about what I think, my opinion, is one of the great and sad needs in our America today. And I'll tell you what I think it is. We have many. It's we have so few examples, good examples to follow. Now, that could just go right over your head because many of us in the room grew up when there were many wonderful examples to follow. Now, I'm sure had we known everything about their life, none of them were perfect, no one is, but the fact of the matter is most of us grew up looking up to people, whether it be in sports or in business or uh, in religion or whatever. And these people inspired us to grow up and be that kind of person. Now, the day and time in which we live, the students, the young people especially, and the young adults, they have grown up in a completely different culture. The fact of the matter is most, or let me say it this way, many high-profile people in every realm of life that People look up as being their heroes. Uh, they just have so many character flaws. It, it's the saddest thing in the world. And you say, well, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a huge difference because boys and girls and students and young adults look at these people as being like, hey, um, look how successful they are, da 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 It's interesting, this past Saturday, if I remember correctly, was the one-year anniversary of the uh, singer Prince. Do you all even know who I'm talking about? Yeah, you know who I'm talking about? Well, just make like you do because you should know who I'm talking about. Well, you know, he, he was like, like an, almost like an idol to those who follow that kind of music. I mean, really, it's unbelievable. And, of course, the autopsy said, this is what the autopsy said, at least it's what the paper said the autopsy said, I did not do the autopsy. So I'm not, but I'm assuming this would be right. He died of an overdose. In fact, in the, in the entertainment field, you've got Michael Jackson, now you've got Prince. It, but this article Saturday in the, in the um, paper said that talking about his one-year anniversary, that in the park there in the city where he had lived, and he had this big compound that was like his home, his studio, all that stuff. But anyway, he was cremated, and his ashes were put in an urn that was shaped in the shape of the park where it is. And the paper went on to say thousands of his fans this weekend are coming to this park to commune with his spirit. Had I not been scheduled to preach Sunday, I would have just flown there to see how that deal works, you know, but I thought, well, you know, but, but I mean, you know, we can laugh if this stuff, and I know you're laughing the right way, but it's really a sad thing that, uh, uh, that these are our heroes and uh, we could, I, I, I could just name so many others and you can as well that uh, if they're high profile people, so many of them they, they wind up being scathed by some areas of their life that is just a, a very, very sad. And this is having a tremendous influence. Like I think like today, I mean, you think about people that you would say are good examples for 
boys and girls, students, young adults, well, whoever, to follow. Well, like in religion, for example, I think most of us would agree that Pope Francis uh, would be a good example. He seems to have a compassion for people, and he's a different kind of uh, leader of the Roman Catholic Church. And, uh, of course, Billy Graham in the Protestant Church, you know, I don't think anybody would say that he has not been in his life a good example. And I can think of endless others, and you can as well. But the fact of the matter is, uh, you, you know, what, what looks like the successes in life, the fact is their life uh, is a shamble. And we don't ever see that till they die off. And then it's kind of reported like you have to read the fine print to know what's going on. Well, that being said, there are people that are tremendous examples to follow. I, I think of some. I was talking about that this morning. Uh, and I began to name some people that had been good examples in my life that I looked up to, that I thought, now they have the character traits that I want to build in my life. And as I began to name them, Dottie said a very interesting thing. She said, so far, everybody you've named is dead. <laughs> that happens when you get this age, does it not? And I said, well, let me name some that are alive. Well, my list was much, much shorter. But uh, the point is, uh, and it's where I'll end today, we certainly, us here, we, we all want to be good examples. Do we not? You know, I think of that. I want to be a good example uh, that, that would be one worthy of following because of the one that we follow, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, on page 779, Let's just read a few of these verses because we read about a man in the Bible that uh, is a tremendous example, and I want to just kind of touch these verses, but let me just begin in verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. He just comes over Jerusalem and, and, and just overtakes the place, takes the king. He took not only that, he took the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. In other words, bring the best of the best. You know, leave the Leave the weaklings and leave the, uh, you know, those that are not going to be very productive. Just leave them there in Jerusalem, but bring me the better people. He said, bring me, boy, look in verse 4, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might uh, teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. So we're talking about the sharpest of the sharp. He said, that's what I want us to bring back to Babylon. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And three years of training. He's going to put these guys in, in seminary almost three years to teach them the ways of the uh, people there in Babylon. Uh, so that at the end of that time, they would, be, uh, they would have the might to serve before the king. They'd be prepared. This is kind of their training course. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah, now he's going to name us some people they took, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. In other words, if you want to really change a person, 
Just, you know, well, you can change their language, have them speak a different language, have them learn a different culture, educate them in the uh, different education system. But when you change a person's name, you've just about changed everything they have left. And so what he did, he gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, uh, to Mishael, uh, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, verse 8 is our big verse. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, in that one little verse, there are two or three things that obviously Daniel had in his life that I would suggest that you and I want to build even greater in our own life. One of those is courage. You know, when I read that verse and think about that situation, here's this young man, Daniel. Now, he's been taken from his home to a strange land. Uh, the king, now, you know, we, we think, well, what difference? Well, the king, I mean, you disobeyed the king. That could be the end of you. Uh, he had spoken and said, this is the food I want them to eat, what I want them to drink, how I want them to be tra trained to serve me. And the interesting thing, all the others except his friends were eating the food that they had been uh, ordered to eat. Uh, but Daniel, what he did, he had courage to do what was right. Now, I want you to think about that a little bit. Courage to do what is right. Now, you know, it's the old debate, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do y'all have that figured out? You know, does the chicken come before the egg? You say, well, yeah, the chicken's got to lay the egg. But, like, where did the chicken come from? Well, the chicken came out of the egg. But, like, how did the egg get laid? It was, I mean, that deal, you know, which comes first, chicken or the egg? Well, let's move on to something that's where you and I live. Like, which comes first, courage or to do what's right? Now, you've already in your mind answered that, but I'm going to suggest that maybe you need to consider your answer a little bit more. Now, you know, think about that a moment. Like, if, so, if to do something right, now, for, like in this situation, to do the right thing for Daniel, that was a challenge, okay? Now, when you face something that's really a challenge, but you know that that's the right thing to do, like, do you have to have courage in order to do that? Or if you do what is right, does that build your courage? Like, which comes first? Well, I decided that I would take, a, like I took statistics in university work. That's been a long time ago. But, hey, statistics is still statistics. I mean, two times two is four. It doesn't matter how long ago you went to school. I mean, it is what it is. I understand polls. You know, they'll say something could be two points plus or minus. You know, they, it could be right that much. Right. And, of course, many times samplings, you know, if you just sample a little bit, you don't really have a very fair representation. But I decided that I would just sample that deal. You know, I, was, I thought that through because I first, in my mind, thought, well, courage, you have to have courage before you can do what's right. And then I thought, you know, if something is really hard to do, but you know it's the right thing to do, 
but I'm not going to do the right thing until I have the courage to do the right thing, I probably never will do the right thing. But if you do the right thing, you then have courage to move on with it. I mean, how does this deal work? So I thought I'll ask my theologian in residence, John Redmond. I called him last night and asked him. He said, there's no doubt about it. Courage comes first. I said, well, that's not right. <laughs> and I suggested, I, I shared my little thinking with him. He said, well, you, you know, you may be on some. That's what he says out of respect to me as his father when he really doesn't agree with me. Well, this morning I decided to ask Dottie, and I didn't know she was coming today. I must say, this is not a setup. In fact, this would be a day I wish she had not come, actually. Um, I asked her this morning, she said, well, courage comes before doing what is right. We're talking about doing what is right if it's, a chase, it's hard to do. I'm not talking about something simple. I mean, like, something's hard to do. An illustration, and I have her permission to use it. Did you hear me say that? I have her permission to use it. Did you hear me say that? I have her permission. Okay. Most of the things I share about her, I don't have her permission. But anyway. Well, Dottie, for about eight years, maybe nine, maybe ten, said repeatedly, I will never have a knee replacement. I'll never have it. Because she talked to many who had that, some of which it didn't turn out too well, and she just said, I'm never going to do that. Well, it, it became obvious somewhere here, you know, before she finally had it. You know, you need to be careful when you say, I'm never going to do something. Could I have an amen to that? Yeah. But I understand her spirit in that thing. Uh, you know, we go to the doctor. We'd been to several doctors, but we go to this surgeon. We just, uh, I think we just kept going to surgeons, hoping one would tell her that there's a secret pill that grows new knees or whatever. But, but I could understand she didn't want to have that. But we go to the doctor, finally, and the doctor, we'd never met the doctor before. He just kind of went to get his opinion, and he, they, they did the x-rays, and we went in the little room where the doctor comes, and he put his x-ray up on the wall, and he looked her in the face. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, whether I do it or somebody else does it, you have to have a knee replacement. Boop, that was the end of that conversation. And I looked at her when he said that because I'd listened to her say she'd never do it. And she sat there a moment and she said, well, all right, when can you do it? Well, like, and as she got into it before even the surgery day, the courage, see, she made the decision to do the right thing. In that case, it's all she could do or not be able to do. But she made the decision to do the right thing. And once she made that decision to do the right thing, it's like a new courage surfaced. Now, I, she has these four friends. Well, now, Dottie does have more than four friends. But she has these four special friends in Sulphur Springs, Texas, ladies. They were here Sunday in church. They came to something special. They stayed over for the weekend and went to church with us here Sunday morning. And so I said, Dottie, she has them in her phone like in a group. I said, send your four friends. Uh, I've got to name them something else. It sounds like she doesn't have a four friends. So I said, send your four friends in Sulphur Springs and ask them, does courage come before doing what's right 
or just doing what, what's right, once you make that decision to do what's right, that's when the courage comes. And see what your four friends say. Well, she did. And boy, you know how your little phone does when they start, and beep, 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 man. Evidently, these four friends just sit there waiting for somebody to phone in. I don't know what to do. But. Well, you know, one of the four friends said, I think they are one in the same thing. Now, that's a thought. One of the wiser uh, four friends <laughs> said, I think, now she didn't tell them, she just said, I was going to be talking about this day, I was taking a survey. Of course, now my survey so far involved, it's about John and Dottie and the four friends. So it's just six people survey. So it's not a very scientific survey. But the wiser of the four friends said, I really think probably doing what's right, then the courage comes. But, but listen, let me just say this to you. Consider this whole thing, because seriously, in life, you know, there get to be some serious things out here in life. The doctor says, you need chemo. Hmm. You need radiation. You're going to have to have a kidney transplant. You have cancer. I mean, some real life things come along that are not easy to do. Now, how do you, how do you handle that deal? Well, if you, this is what I believe, I, just consider it. I believe if you think it through and pray it through, seek whatever counsel you need, however you go about me, but you, you finally decide, you know what? I think the right thing for me is this. I'm going to do this. I think it's right. I don't think you have to wait and say, you know what? I, I think that is probably the right thing, but I'm not going there until I have courage to go there. I'm going to suggest <laughs> you probably won't get there many times like that because I believe that if you know something is right, it may not be easy. Now, I have an old saying. It's not original me. I don't know who said it. I'd quote them. You know, right's not always easy, but right's always what? Right's always right. That's First Baptist people. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, you other uh, foreigners, listen. Right, you ought to remember this. Right is not always easy. Would we agree to that part? Right's not always easy? It's not. But right is always what? Right. Thank you for joining with us. Right. It is. And if you know something's right, you may say, man, I don't know. I know that's the right thing to do, but, you know, it might be something like going back and making, uh, telling somebody you're sorry. Maybe you've offended someone or you've, or you've done, you know, however, and you say, you know, I need to make that thing right. Now, the Bible says we'd be at peace among, as much as possible, be at peace with all people. Some people you can't be at peace with. But, but like I say this, you say, I know it's right to say to somebody, hey, I said something I shouldn't have said. I'm going to ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry for what's happened, da-da-da. You say, man, I know that's the right thing to do, but I don't have the courage to do it. Here's what I believe. If you know something's right and you do it, the courage somehow just seems to show up. Well, I'm going to leave that for you to consider. Well, did you at least think about it? Do you have anything in your life that you know needs to be, that would be the right thing, no doubt about it? But you say, I just tell you what. I, I just, <laughs> I don't know about that. I just, I call it courage, call it faith, whatever. Well, let me move on beyond that. Let me tell you a second thing Daniel had, and I'll do this more quickly. Uh, he had self-control. 
these foods that he was told to eat were prohibited by the Levitical dietary laws. This wine that he was to drink, in Babylon, all wine was offered as a toast to the false gods. We don't have anything to do with that. Now, here's the deal. Uh, Self-control. He had self-control, and self-control is really very simple. Here's what it is. Just say no. That's it. You know, people say, well, I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's not all that complex. You, you just, I mean, some things are right. Some things are not right. The things you know to not be right, you say no before those things ever come. What's the old saying? It's easier to avoid temptation than overcome temptation. And so you just say no. If I get put in that situation, I'm not going to decide then what I'm going to do then. I'm saying no before I ever get in the situation. And that makes self-control a completely, totally different thing. And then Daniel had one other thing I mentioned today. He had humility. Look back in the, look at the last part of verse 8. It says he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In other words, he had a strong conviction Nothing wrong with that. We all need to have some strong convictions, but listen carefully. We need, to, we need to handle our strong convictions in a humble way. You see, many people have strong convictions, and they're just unyielding. They're obnoxious. Would you like to tell? turn the TV on and watch our Congress? Yeah, a bunch of folks. Got a lot of convictions, but unyielding. Well, we'll never get anything done. It wouldn't matter if a porky pig was oppressed. It wouldn't matter who. I mean, if, if everybody just says, I have a conviction and I'm not yielded. Well, I mean, there's some convictions you can't yield, but it's not just in politics. I see this in religion frequently. Oh, man, I, have, I, I won't go down that road, but gracious me, many people in religion, they are right on the word. They're wrong about their spirit. So you can be right on the word and wrong about the spirit. You say, hey, it's this way or the highway. Sounds like a Baptist. <laughs> Look, people, we don't need to compromise convictions, but we need to understand that you know, humility is a good thing no matter what. Could I have an amen to that? You know, Daniel, he had a powerful conviction. He disobeyed the king. He didn't do what all his peers did except his little friends. But he, he had this humble, humble spirit. And, oh, my gracious, we need those are the kind of people that, that I want to follow. I want to follow people that have a humble spirit. That's one reason I love Dr. Kendall so much. Um, I, I text Dr. Kimball, Kendall, Dr. Kendall. He had given John this three set of books. I didn't know about it. And while Dottie's four friends took over our house for the weekend, I moved out. People, word got out that Dottie had run me off, but I moved over to John's. And I got over to John's, and he has, this he has a nice study over there. And I was looking at his study, and I see these three books by, I'd never seen them. Dr. Kendall had written, I have a lot of his books. But I, I, I said to John, where did you get these three books? I read one of them one day, started reading this book. And I said, John, have you ever read this stuff? No, I just got it a couple of months ago. So 
I said, man, it's like a gold mine. You've not read this? No, no. And I said, well, hey, I want to borrow this volume one. He said, no, you'll lose it. You'll lose it. <laughs> he said, you can use it here at the house with me. I said, well, I can't just come over to your house. Ever. I said, well, listen, uh, I, I, I'm texting Kendall. I, I won't, I'll buy me my own three. It's just three volumes. Well, I text Kendall on the phone, text him. And um, I think I texted him on Saturday. All Saturday, I look at my phone, nothing back. I thought, well, he's over in England, and the time's different. And when I get up in the morning, well, Sunday, I had not gotten any word back. Sunday night, no word back. I text his son, not any word back. I thought, what's wrong with my, these people not answering my text? Well, yesterday, I get my text back from Dr. Kendall. He said, well, I've just come back from Hong Kong. I've been over in Hong Kong preaching, said uh, T.R. was with me. He's flying back now to America, and he said, uh, this is why the delay in this text coming back. And uh, I said to him, my text, I want, if you still have these books, and maybe out of print, I want to get them, I want to buy them, I want to pay for them. He said, the books will be shipped immediately, and uh, don't worry about the paying about it. Well, I, I'll take care. I do want to pay for them. Uh, but he just has, and he just apologized for being so slow answering the text. He just has a humble spirit. Folks, listen, we must stop. These three things, uh, we, we have, we just have, we just do what's right. And it may not be easy, but if, if it's right, God will give you the courage. And then this matter of self-control and then this matter of humility, I really think that would help all of us be an example worthy of following. Father God, in every realm of life, for those with whom we serve and those that we deal with, our family, I think in my own case, my grandchildren, God, I want to be a good example of my grandchildren. I really do. I want them to remember me as, as a person that did what was right. I don't ever want to embarrass them by doing something wrong. And God, give me self-control, just things that I know the answer is no. Just say it on the front end before it ever comes around. And then God, give me and give all of us a humble spirit. God, we have convictions, but help us not be obnoxious in our convictions is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.